It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 225 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, November 10th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com and LockedOnRaptors.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean, and the show is on Twitter as well, Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. Please go to the Locked On NBA channel on iTunes or whatever podcast feed you go to and use. Uh, lots of great podcasts for all 30 NBA teams, all 32 NFL teams. If you've got a playoff race heating up for your NFL team, make sure you're checking out the corresponding Locked On NFL show. Locked On NBA is uh, the, mon- the Monday show that comes out with David Locke each week. Tons of great content. Check out the FanRag network of blogs as well. Uh, covering all 30 teams with all the hosts, and it's uh, it's a great bit of content that uh, you can check out as well to supplement your listening if you want to read some stuff as well, and you can do that with LockedOnRaptors.com, where I haven't written much this week, just been very busy hosting morning radio and stuff, so I've kind of had no energy, but uh, there will be more stuff coming up in the next few days on LockedOnRaptors.com, so please check that out. As always, leave ratings, leave reviews on the iTunes page as well. It's very much appreciated. Okay, all that stuff's out of the way. On today's show, I'm uh, going to dive into last night's game against the Pelicans a little bit. I did a quick re- recap last night, but we can dive a little bit more into it than we did on that short podcast. And then uh, we're going to look ahead to the Celtics game on Sunday. And to join me to do that, it's uh, Vivek Jacob. How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. How are you? I, uh, I'm good. Uh, as I was saying off air, my apartment is freezing cold right now. Uh, I'm not really sure why. Email the landlord. It's, uh, it's troublesome. I, I, it's like probably like six degrees in here or something like that. It's like... <laughs> Wow. It's very chilly. Uh, I might be over, overstating that. Though. Might be overstating that, but yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm the kind of person who likes cold. Ideally, like this is my perfect outside weather, but inside, I'd prefer it to be a little bit nicer. Um, but anyway, we're gonna heat things up with some takes. How about that? Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so last night, the Pelicans and Raptors played a very strange game. Uh, I shared my thoughts on it on last night's podcast. But what did you think? How did you? Uh, uh, come away from that game feeling about the Raptors and just sort of your general impressions from it. I was, I mean, the biggest thing that stood out to me was the performance of both Ibaka and Valanciunas. Yeah. Raptors needed a big night from the front court going up against Cousins and Davis. They got it. Arguably Ibaka's best game of the season. Um, Valanciunas looked a little bit slow coming back from in- injury, but yesterday was probably the quickest he's looked since then. Um, and he picked the perfect night to do it. So hopefully he can keep going now. Uh, and then OG closing out the fourth, uh, getting big minutes and coming through. Yeah, that was uh, – I, I wasn't expecting him to stay in there through the entire fourth quarter. I mean, Casey's kind of uh, – he's mixed and match a little bit with his closing lineups, and OG hasn't really – I don't think he's finished a game just yet. Uh, and as Joey Cash last night said on the podcast, like there's been more closing lineups for the Raptors than there have been games played. Uh, and so I, I kind of expected after OG got some burn there, maybe he was going to be taken out. But no, his defense was incredible. Had that dunk, finally put down a dunk, um, which he hasn't quite done this season. I think he had like a transition one as well. 
Um, yeah, two dunks. Yeah, yeah. And it, like, one of them was like sort of on Anthony Davis, although Davis just kind of let him have it. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like Davis probably had visions of Norm Powell from last season in his head. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, it was uh, it was a good game. It was fun. Uh, I, I just above anything else, like you can take issue with the giving up 118 points on 54% shooting, but I was just like thoroughly entertained by that game. It was really enjoyable. Agree, man. Um, so let's get into this coming weekend. The Raptors play the Celtics on Sunday. That's their next game. Uh, weird Friday night without basketball for the Raptors. It's uh, you know, I don't often get this, but I'll take it, I suppose. Take the night off. Um, but the Celtics are, they might have won 11 in a row by then. We don't know what's going to happen. They play tonight. Um, it, they're, they're playing out of their minds right now. Kyrie Irving's been really good. His shooting numbers, I think, have kind of tailed off a little bit, but he's playmaking. He's getting like a million steals, um, and that team is defending like crazy right now. I don't know. What do you think has been like behind the Celtics? Like, I I want to say that they're a mirage, but I can't really point to one thing that's like they're doing that at like an inordinately high level that you would think is going to crash back to earth. And maybe it's the defense. I don't know. But like they seem to, uh, you know, Marcus Smart's a good defender. Jalen Brown I think is a pretty good defender. Jason Tatum's been well ahead of the curve. Uh, Horford's a good defender. Like there's some good defenders on the team. So maybe this isn't a mirage, and maybe they are a top three or four defensive team. Uh, but I don't know. What have you seen from the Celtics that uh, that's gotten them to the ten and two record they're at right now? Yeah, the defense and the rebounding, uh, the scoring efficiently when they have to, and uh, I think on the defensive side, I think it's the length that's helped them big time. Right? You look at uh, they lost Avery Bradley, they lost Jay Crowder, but you look at the length of both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and I think that's helped them a lot. They're a lot quicker on the perimeter I feel and uh, yeah I feel like the rebounding part of it too the gang rebounding that's what they have to do because they're a relatively small team but Aaron Baines has been doing really well for them was really strong against the Lakers uh, in their last game so I think they're just they've come together as a team a lot sooner than probably many would have expected uh, especially after the Hayward injury and you look at their offensive rating right now they're at 104.8 and that's without Hayward so they're doing pretty well especially with considering the net ratings at 9.2 just second to Golden State yeah for sure Um, yeah sort of middle of the pack offense right now but yeah the defense 95.6 is uh, it's two points better than the second best team in the league and the Thunder have looked incredible defensively but they haven't been anywhere close to the Celtics Um, the thing I guess with the Celtics is a lot of it kind of reminds me of the 2014-15 Raptors in that I'm not sure they're going to be able to hold up long term with the injuries that they have with with, uh, Gordon Hayward out obviously is the big one Um, Jason Tatum got hurt last night who knows what his situation is going to be Horford has had uh, did he get a concussion this week or something like that Um, yeah yeah. well he's questionable for tonight right right So, yeah, he might be back, but even then, like, Horford is not the most durable dude in the world. He's missed some time over the last, you know, his entire career. He's missed time uh, for various ailments, tearing his boobs and stuff. Um, (laughs) So, uh, I'm not sure. I don't know. Part of of me says that this team isn't talented enough to keep up this 10-2 record because, like, they're throwing out dudes like Semi Ojale, who's a second-round pick, and Daniel Tice, who I'd never heard of before this season. Um, and like Aaron Baines, who is like a fine backup center, but like shouldn't be putting up 21 with eight assists like he did in the last game against the Lakers. Um, so I do feel like there's a bit of an overachievement going on here. 
But, like, I don't know. Their point differential is plus 9.2 per 100 possessions. Like, that's insane. Uh, number two in the league behind the Warriors, and it doesn't really even count because the Warriors are better than everybody. Um, like, do you, are there any signs that you look, you look at them and say, okay, maybe this might come back to earth and this might bring it all crashing down? Well, so the one thing I look at is they are a great regular season team, right? And so what I mean by that is it's usually teams with a lot of depth that can sustain the 82 games and be successful. But then when you have to play, when, you know, everyone sort of cuts down their rotation in the playoffs, that's when you can get bound out a bit. Mm-hmm. And so I think I think they can sustain this level of play for the, the entire 82 games but I think the playoffs will be a different story like you look at a team like Houston as well um, they're kind of actually the opposite um, where they sort of rely D'Antoni just likes to play a few guys mm-hmm. um, but then in the playoffs that doesn't really work out um, so with the Celtics uh, they've got the opposite thing going where they probably have a lot of guys that they can rely on not too different from the Raptors um, and so they can find different matchups that work every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the playoffs where everyone's preparing for you, I don't think uh, that can be as successful. Hey, guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast. And being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, I'm kind of fascinated in the terms of the, the matchup with the Raptors. It's like, it's kind of hard. We're kind of having to sort of regauge the entire thing because there's obviously so much turnover with that team. And really, outside of Horford, no one who's getting regular minutes was a regular contributor last season. Even Jalen Brown wasn't like a, a full-time, you know, kind of stable staple in their rotation. I mean, I guess Marcus Smart, I'm forgetting him, but... Um, like there's a lot of new faces and a lot of new different wrinkles that they can throw at the Raptors in particular. Um, one thing that the Raptors used to do so well with Boston was just like always find the matchup where one of Kyle or DeMar was going to rip apart Isaiah Thomas. And uh, they got a lot of success with that. The one-two pick and roll has been like their go-to weapon with the Celtics. And I'm not sure if it's quite as effective when you have Kyrie Irving who, you, you know, I mean, I mean, he's not a great defender. He's been a good defender this season, but like overall his reputation isn't Sterling. Um, but, you know, he, you don't get the same size advantage with, like, a Lowry against a Kyrie or even a DeRozan against a Kyrie. Like, Kyrie can bother a shot a little bit more than Isaiah Thomas can. So I'm fascinated to see how the Raptors are going to negotiate that. And maybe it's moot because the Raptors aren't really running that, you know, Lowry-DeRozan-heavy offense anymore. And it's uh, it's more of an egalitarian system that they're running, they're running anyway most of the time. Uh, you know, maybe crunch time we start seeing this become an issue where they can't quite get the matchups they want. Maybe Jalen Brown switching onto DeRozan, you don't want to see that. Um, but I, I don't know. How do you think the Raptors are going to go about attacking the Celtics? Because we, it's hard to say because we've never seen it before with all these new players. But what would you what do you think is going to be uh, a wrinkle people should be looking for? And, and sort of will they be able to do what they've done in the past? 
So w- one of the reasons why I'm really looking forward to this game is because I want to see these sort of test games where are they going to stay true to this, you know, tweaked offense or it wouldn't, it's a tough game on the road against an elite opponent. Are they going to revert back to their old habits? Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the main thing I'm looking for. If they can stay true, I mean, they shot 38% on what was it 42 three-point attempts last night mm-hmm. uh they shot over 50 percent from three uh against the bulls so there is some momentum from beyond the arc so hopefully that's the law of averages kicking in for the raptors and uh they're a bit more confident in just sharing the ball and taking good outside shots and yeah that, that's the thing i'm looking for will they stay true to that if they if they start out cold will they revert back yeah, the Celtics are playing, I think, a different style than they have in the past. Like, last season, they felt like a much more run-and-gun type of team. This season, uh, they're in the bottom, I guess, almost third of the league in, in uh, frequency of transition opportunities, and I think that probably speaks to them trying to get back in defensive rebound as much as they can and probably not getting out and running as much as, as you'd like. They don't have the outlet guys that you're trying to hit, like, streaking down the court. Um, so that's an interesting t- thing too. They're like a very different team, I think. And like while this, the principles of their offense might be the same, where you know it's a lot of Al Horford sort of running stuff from the elbow and cutting and lots of you know ball movement and and continuous passing, like that's probably still part of it. It's just it's such a different collection of players and and strengths that the Raptors are gonna have to go up against. Um, you know, I still think there are some areas where they're where they're gonna be okay. I mean, the rebounding for the Celtics has been good and, and you know, elite so far this season, but. I, Valanciunas has always been a guy who has had some success rebounding against them and just kind of bullied them on the glass. I, I'm mm-hmm. fascinated to see like if it's going to be like a Baines Valanciunas showdown in this game where like they're just <laughs> out there just like fighting each other for rebounds. I don't know. It could be fascinating. Yeah, and Ibaka made his debut against the Celtics uh, last season. Yeah, right after the All Star break, and he was awesome in that game. So um, maybe he has some good vibes against them as well. And I think. With the Tatum, well, if Tatum's out, uh, with Jalen Brown in there, uh, I think we could see even more minutes for Ananobi um, just because of the matchup uh, in terms of his size. And so I think that would be an interesting to look out, thing to look out for as well. This also might be a game where we start seeing a little bit of C.J. Miles at the four. Um, like last season, we didn't see uh, the, the Damari Carroll-Patrick Patterson front court until the game against the Celtics, I think, halfway through November or maybe early December. Um, it was when they finally busted that out and they kind of forced you to go small because like I don't know Brad Stevens loves to harp on the fact that they don't really have you know centers and power forwards and positions they just kind of have bigs and wings and guards and they're really heavy towards wings and guards and they like to play small a lot of the time and Marcus Morris is going to play at the four and Jason Tatum and Semi Ojale if Tatum plays I guess uh, they're going to be at the four as well so it's going to kind of create a situation where the Raptors can potentially stay big but and try to you know exploit the boards and things like that, but then you get in this position where you're you're asking them to just rip you apart on the other end defensively. Because as good as Ibaka and Valanciunas were defensively against the Pelicans, it's just a completely different look that the Celtics Celtics are going to throw at you. Yeah, I agree with that. I was just looking up uh, Tatum's status just because we keep going back and forth with him. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's questionable for tonight. So who knows? They might have both Tatum and uh, Horford back for. Uh, the game on Sunday. Right. It'd be a bummer if they don't have them both because there were a lot of games last season. I think there was only one game where the Raptors and Celtics were both at full strength. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was, it Isaiah sucked. missed a game. DeMar missed a game. Kyle missed a game. Yeah. And so like, it was weird that way. Yeah. And obviously, like, they played once after the deadline and 
that's when the the, the, the trades had happened. So there wasn't like a like seeing Ibaka against like a fully formed Celtics team with Lowry in the court. Like we haven't seen that just yet. Um, it's weird to really not have any sort of bearing on like a team in your own division that you've seen a million times. Uh, it's kind of a, like a strange. It's, it's like the complete opposite of going up against like the Wizards or something where we know exactly what the Wizards are and how they're going to beat the Raptors probably. Um, yeah. Whereas the Celtics, it's it's just kind of a lot of mystery. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, I mean, Hayward's obviously not there as well. So yeah, yeah. That's, it's going to yeah. continue for at least one season. Yeah, I always kind of forget about that. Um, 10 to 12 games in, you just kind of forget about guys that are Because no they've been playing right. so well, right? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I, it has to come back to earth, you would think. Like... I'm looking at the depth chart right now, and it's just like, it's not bursting with talent. I mean, maybe I'm lower on Marcus Morris than some people are. I don't love Marcus Morris as a player, but like, I guess the the Tatum performance so far this season has kind of changed the complexion of things. Maybe I'm not as high as on Marcus Smart as a lot of people are too. I know some people love Marcus Smart, some people hate him. I don't know. Um, maybe I'm not giving the Celtics enough credit, and that's probably something that I'm guilty of. I've been guilty of in the past, but. It just, I, I'm pretty sure you're not the only Raptors fan that's guilty. Of that, so. <laughs> uh, but no, man, they're playing their asses off. They uh, they look really good. They're like I was looking at the actually I did a radio hit today with uh, the station in Hamilton, and we were talking about just like teams that are like real and not in the Eastern Conference, and like I don't know, I'm not sure the Celtics are a ten and two team. I, I don't. I think that's probably a little you know sort of ambitious for them to finish the season with like I don't know what the hell that win percentage is it's a lot uh but like yeah for sure i mean yeah. they've still like got to do those tough western uh road trips and yeah yeah whatnot so i'm sure that'll come down to earth but yeah they're, they're definitely i think i'd say at this point a 55 plus win team this is jake from locked on locked on has teamed up with state farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in nba history After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Yeah, I mean, that seems ambitious to me, too, just because I think that's that's like a hard level to get to. But, like, I'm looking at the Eastern Conference, and, like, I think 10-2 and two Celtics, like, they're over overperforming a little bit. The Pistons, the Magic, like, they're kind of over overshooting things. The Wizards, I think, are underachieving at 6-5, and five, um, and they've had a tough road trip as well, so maybe that factors in. And Markeith missed a couple games, but they've had some issues. The Knicks are overperforming. The Sixers are kind of, I guess, where you'd expect, but, like, most of these teams are playing – to a level that you would uh, that are is kind of unexpected. There are like maybe five teams in the entire East that I think are playing where you would expect, um, and that's kind of a fascinating sort of subplot to the start of the season. Like the Bucks and Cavs are you know four and six and five and seven respectively, and like those are teams that should probably be 
Like the Bucks losing four straight is is weird to me. They should be much better, and maybe Bledsoe he's making his debut tonight. Maybe he helps them, but. I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with this. It's just the the Eastern Conference is a just a mismatch of teams that are performing to very strange standards, and the Raptors seem to be one of the only ones who are kind of like exactly where you'd expect them to be. Yeah, I mean, obviously now you've got to reassess the Bucks because uh, of the Bledsoe deal. Yeah. So, um, and then who knows what Jabari Barker will be like when he comes back? Yeah. And uh, so I think that's that puts them right there with the Raptors and Wizards. I don't know where you had them before and after the trade but I had them a tier sort of below the Raptors and Wizards uh, before the trade and now I think they're right there yeah um, the Sixers are interesting there's some stuff about Embiid's uh, knee today yeah uh, and his soreness so obviously everything hangs on that um, but yeah it, I don't think anyone had the Pistons at 8-3 and three either so uh, <laughs> yeah you got the Pistons and the Magic right now in 2nd and 3rd and so um I do think the Magic will come down to earth. Uh, Indiana, I think they're, they've, they've already started to yeah, go down. Yeah, they've lost yeah. four straight. Um, and I think those shooting percentages for Oladipo and Corey Joseph and even Thaddeus Young, like they were all around 50% from three, which uh, obviously is, isn't going to sustain over the course of 82 games. Wasn't Corey shooting like 61% from three at one yeah, point? Like, yeah. Uh, like, this was wild. Yeah, I don't even know the. It's so hard to judge things right now, and it, like, I guess it makes sense that the Raptors, with their sort of established core and long-term continuity with the coaching staff, I guess it makes sense that they're playing pretty much exactly to where you'd expect. But um, I don't know. I, it's fun trying to get a gauge on all these teams because I just have no idea what to think about the Magic or the Pistons right now, or even the Celtics or. The Wizards, like, it's all very wishy-washy. I guess we should talk about the Cavs if we're kind of going around the East. Uh, lost again last night to Houston. It was kind of a fun game. Jeff Green went nuts. Uh, yeah. Like, because you got to have a Jeff Green game once in a while. Uh, I don't know. Is there any sort of – we haven't – I don't know if we talked about the Cavs yet with you on the show, but, like, no. where are you – like, is your red flag waving right now? Is it, like – vigorously waving like oh no the Cavs are in deep deep shit or is it more of a is it still an early season thing because like I, I think it's fair to say like it's 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 very easy to be like oh it's the Cavs will figure it out but like I do think the red flags are like significantly more pronounced than they have been in the past hmm. that's interesting uh, to be completely honest with you I'm not worried about them against any of the eastern teams right. obviously um, I don't think they're better than any of uh Golden State, Houston, or even San Antonio for that matter, uh, once Kawhi comes back. And uh, I think the thing that people talked about last season was their bad habits that they allowed to sort of go through the 82 games. Um, They never really got past them, and then they just couldn't get, uh, get rid of them in the finals mm-hmm. and so I, my thing going into this season was they've got to sort of establish a defensive base and create those good habits so that when they get to the finals they'd be better prepared for Golden State and not make uh, the horrendous mistakes that they did defensively and now again you're seeing those bad habits but at the same time I just haven't seen enough to make me think that you know they're going to have issues against the East uh, I, I in terms of assessing the team I probably won't fully assess them till I see Isaiah Thomas back. 
Yeah, that's fair. I think Isaiah has his own issues even when he's healthy. Um, I mean, you need him to play the way he did last season. I think if you want any sort of chance to keep up scoring with the Warriors in a finals, number one. And then right. I, I still think he presents, he presents issues matchup-wise, like defensively. He's not going to help the defense of the Cavaliers, I don't think. And, like, I, I just look at their roster, and there are a lot of really bad players on the roster. And it's just you can't escape it, and I don't really know... They don't really seem to have a, an avenue to improving and getting, like, real defensive stoppers on the team. And, like, if Jay Crowder is going to play, like, ass the entire season, then, like, that changes the calculus because you would expect that Jay Crowder was going to be, like, the go-to defender that you pair with LeBron as a 3-4. and four, And it's versatile, it's perfect for the Warriors, and it kind of can get you through a lot of things. But, like... Jay Crowder's been awful this season, and like Iman Shumpert's been the best point guard on the team so far. Um, obviously, that changes when Isaiah comes back, but like Shumpert has been like significantly better than Derrick Rose and, and Jose Calderon, and he's not even a point guard. Um, I, I just the the roster is bereft of a lot of like really sort of eye catching talent to me, um, and you know Kevin Love is playing some of the worst defense he's ever played too. Uh, he had a rough game last night. It's just. I, I, I'm with you in that I still think they're probably the class of the East when they're rolling, but I do think it's going to be harder for them to get rolling. And the East, I don't think, is quite as like awful as we would have expected. And like if the Cavs don't end up getting like a one or two or three seed, you know, if they coast themselves to a four or five, like they could end up in like a really scary matchup in the first round and set themselves up for like not they won't be able to hit that sort of. Uh, you know, in the first round, in the last couple of seasons, where they've just kind of hit their their stride in the first round against the Pacers and Pistons, and then go from there. Like, I don't know if that'll happen against a team. Like, what if they get stuck with the Bucks in the first round, and the Bucks just like harass them and trap them and annoy them for six games? I, I don't think that really sets you up or gets them on the roll. Um, and maybe it's better to be tested, but like they seem to be pretty good when they just like kind of get a team they can they can stomp and get rolling that way. I don't know. It's it, there's a lot more sort of room for error, sorry, less room for error for the Cavaliers this season, I think, when you get to a playoff series, especially if they can't, you know, recover and get up to, like, one of the uh, the upper seeds because the East has some, like, scary, weird matchup teams. Like, what if this is just a season where Giannis, and this is very narrative-y and not really based in a whole lot of fact and maybe <laughs> just discredits LeBron over the last seven years and what he's done, but, like, Maybe this is just the year Giannis does the LeBron thing from 2007 and carries a team to the finals uh, that shouldn't be there. And maybe Giannis just reaches that level and sort of takes over the torch from LeBron in the playoffs. Like, it sounds ridiculous just talking about it and just looking at the teams on paper, but, like, I don't know. This shit happens all the time. And, like, it's not going to last forever with LeBron. And maybe LeBron is checked out by then. And maybe he's already looking towards where his next team is going to be. And the season is tumultuous. And they finish with 46 wins. And he's unhappy. Um, I don't know. It, it, It seems like there's more sort of opportunity for it to happen where this is the the red flags and the Cavaliers do actually end up being their fatal flaw in the Eastern Conference playoffs but I'm not there to like say that they are just yet I'm just like I'm a little worried a little more worried than maybe I would have been like last March when things were falling apart for them like I never for one second never for one second thought like oh this this little hiccup in March is going to ruin their season uh, but like this start is troubling because I think some of the red flags are stuff are things that like it's going to be really hard for them to fix. Right. I mean, so you, you reverted back to last season and they went twelve and fifteen to finish the season, mm-hmm. second worst defensive rating of one eleven, and then 
the playoffs came and they absolutely obliterated the East. Their defense was like, still like so so, but yeah, their their offense became insane. That's true. Yeah, and so I'll say this about the Cavs roster: the biggest weakness is that for the most part they're a bunch of one-dimensional players. Yeah. The reason why that works around LeBron is because he's so great that he can maximize the production of that one dimension that that player brings. Right. Whether it's Kyle Korver shooting or Kevin Loves or, you know, just allowing someone like Tristan Thompson to just focus on defense. Right. Um, and so I still believe that his greatness will have the role players doing what they need to do against the East. But the big problem when you play the Warriors is to compete with them, you need as many two-way guys on the floor that can pass, shoot, dribble, and that's where the problems come from because you can't go offense-defense against the Warriors. You need guys that can do multiple things. Yeah, I guess I'm not even really looking at the Cavs in the lens of the Warriors because, like, I, I just think whoever makes it to the finals out of the East is going to lose in four games because I think the Warriors are that ridiculous. But, um, yeah. I, I think I would still peg the Cavs as the favorite to make it out just because LeBron in the playoffs is LeBron in the playoffs. But <laughs> there's, like, a little part of me that says, like, I don't know, like, it's been seven years. Something's got to give at some point. He's not just going to make the finals every single year, is he? Like... I think he is, man. He like, might. He, even, just, he just might. Even last night he, might. he had that ankle roll. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like any other human being is probably out for at least the rest of the game. Yeah. And he just walks it off and it's like, no, I'm Superman, so I'm just going to continue to dominate and – yeah, and like yeah. we're a week we're a week removed from him putting up fifty seven, eleven, and seven on the Wizards' poor asses. Um, in his fifteenth season. Yeah, <laughs> like balding man and all, uh, putting up that kind of stat line. It's it is truly insane. And yeah, he's probably still going to be the trump card in the playoffs. But I'm just saying, the 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 concerns I think are more real this season than they've ever been. And I don't think that's unfair to say. I think that's there's like a lot of truth in that. That doesn't mean they're gonna, you know, choke it away and and not make the finals with LeBron this season. But I think the opportunity for some other team is there more so than it has been in the past. And that's to say, it's there this season where I don't think it was there whatsoever in the, in the past. If it's there one percent this season, it's still more than it was in the past. So um, that's uh, seems like a decent place to wrap it. Vivek, do you have anything you want to plug or anything like that? Uh, I'm just uh, doing my regular work at uh, North Pole Hoops and Raptors Republic and B-Ball Breakdown. And, yeah, I'll be covering uh, the 905 in about an hour and a bit. Awesome. Uh, at Vivek M. Jacob on Twitter. Make sure you're checking out his stuff. Uh, much smarter than me. That's why we bring him on the show. Um, <laughs> thanks, everyone, who listened this week. Uh, we will be back again next week with a bunch of shows. I'm going to try to do something... Maybe a crossover with Jake Madison from Locked On Pelicans ahead of the rematch next week between uh, Boogie and Brow and their uh, superiors, Jonas and Ibaka. Um, we'll, uh, we'll do some fun stuff next week, so make sure you tune in. Uh, leave ratings, leave reviews on the iTunes page. Please do that. Check out LockedOnRappers.com. All the great stuff coming down from uh, Vivek and from Sahal Abdi, who we didn't get on this week, but we'll get him on soon. Uh, we appreciate all the support and the listenership and the patronage and all that good stuff. So uh, thank you very much. We'll be back again next week with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Cheers. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.